Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. This is Zenith, that podcast with an Amazon Prime drone, because this week we watched ORAC. Written by Terry Nation. Directed by Veer Lorimer, again, back. And aired on March 27th, 1978. Yeah, so... Season finale. Already at the end of season one, series A, whatever you want to call it. a quarter of the way through the entirety of this show. Yeah. And, you know... Never thought I would say it, but this was a very disappointing episode. You know, I'd always heard that the season finales on Blake 7 were great, and this was probably one of, if not the weakest episode of the first season. Well, I think it got pretty good about halfway to two-thirds of the way through this episode. <laughs> Which isn't when, necessarily when a good thing. When Blake and Callie actually finally itself. get to Ensor, that's when I think it starts to get really good. But until then... It's really rather boring. Yeah, you know, this is, this continue. this obviously, it picks up right where the last one left off, so it's basically the only two, well, Spacefall on the way back, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a two-parter, but it feels like, it doesn't feel like there's enough story to stretch out over 90 to 100 minutes of content, mm-hmm. uh, feel- which is more evident in this episode than it is in the previous one. Yeah, I was watching the first half of this episode, and I... You know, I couldn't shake this feeling that this is really dull. Yeah, you know, I I wasn't used to Blake 7 being so boring, so I wasn't even, like, necessarily thinking that this episode was boring until about halfway through I went, wait a minute, this kind of sucks. <laughs> wait a minute, what's actually happened so far? <laughs> I think, okay, so I think the first indication that... Things are going terribly <laughs> wrong. <laughs> the first indication that things have not gone well in writing this episode is when Blake calls Avon over. This happens pretty much straight at the beginning. Blake calls Avon this over. This is the first thing in the episode, basically. And Blake goes, hey, Avon, remember what happened it, like a couple hours ago? And Avon's like, yeah, of course I do. And Blake's like, okay, just watch this anyway. Watch this recap of last week's <laughs> episode with me anyway. And then it's like Blake apparently makes like... He puts together a promotional video <laughs> of, of, of the Federation's failures, I guess, or I don't know. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. I guess you can write it off. This isn't, this isn't in the story. This is just me speculating. But I guess you can write it off as him making like this expose about how the Federation is going to basically steal Orac. I guess, but I was going to say it sounds like Blake makes like Star Trek-like captain's log entries after every voyage but he just accompanies it with like a really sick edit of the events that happened with, and which we with, hadn't we haven't seen this so far so it feels really out of place first of all second off where does he get the footage to make this video because it's not, there are shots of the outside of the liberator from like a third person point of view which there's no logical way the liberator could have taken those shots it's like clearly footage that was taken from last week's episode and there's footage on the planet too that they of the 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 pod crashing that apparently the liberator has like long range cameras that can just take this footage there's also i don't know i don't know i just don't know what happened in this beginning scene because the first shot of the entire story actually the entire episode rather is the liberator flying through space which is not abnormal but it's a really bad i i guess it uses some cso or something similar where it's not the actual model it's just Mm -hmm. uh it's I don't it's just a film effect. It I'm okay with the scene bad. in concept because I think it's supposed to mirror the end of the episode, which we'll get to in a bit. Because <clears throat> the end the ep- the episode also ends with the Liberator flying through space. Yeah, but the, in, in the end they actually they use the model like they normally do. It looks fine, 
the beginning, they do something similar to what it looks like in the intro sequence, mm-hmm. which is just a sort of effect, and it just it stands out. But yes, and also Blake's got a voiceover going over this video saying, like, we found these two guys, Avon, Villa, Callie, not Callie, Jenna and Gan, beamed down to the planet, and but one of them was already dead. The other one we brought up to the ship, and then he told us to take these power cells to go. You completely left off the part where, you know. <laughs> Avon becomes and, a legend and a god. Well, that and the part where Ensor's son tries to kill them. <laughs> yeah, really, really. Skewing things here. Yeah. So then Avon's like, I already knew all Looks this, Looks good Blake. to me. <laughs> He's like, good, good edit, Blake. We should push this to all of the television stations or the public broadcasting in the Federation. Like, wh- why did you show this to me, Blake? And Blake's like, because something's wrong, Avon. Come with me to the screen where we're going to watch this. Yeah, so they, they replay the part where apparently they caught on camera the the pod ship thing exploding the one with that had the ensor's son and whatever mary and mary yeah. Mer, whatever his name was were flying they caught that explosion on camera and they play it black they play they it, it black back, <laughs> they play it back in slow motion and they realize that the explosion is coming from a place where it shouldn't be coming from which leads them to believe that it was a bomb that was planted on the ship yeah, they don't really do anything with this information, actually, now that I think about it. They just kind of accept it, and they're like, well, I, mean, I, I guess think... the Federation wanted to kill them, and then they just they just accept that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically true. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jenna... <laughs> <laughs> which, which we already knew. Yeah. As viewers, yeah. so... I guess the whole point of the scene is just for a few missed last week's episode... And just pad out the episode, which they clearly needed. This this episode, unfortunately, because it's season finale, clearly needed uh, a lot more padding than anything we've seen so far. Yeah. Even more so than the web. <laughs> Surprisingly. So Villa, uh, Villa, Jenna, Gan, and Avon are all having weird sickness issues. And Callie comes in and is like, you all got radiation sickness. <laughs> Apparently, we forgot to scan for radiation last week when you beamed down to that planet. And you all have just, you're just going to die, like, in a couple days. Yeah, Callie is really blunt about this. Almost as if she wants them to die. They are all criminals, really. <laughs> you have to remember that all these people are criminals and wanted by the Federation. Well, Callie scans their hands for radiation, I guess. And I really liked this scanner. Uh, because of the cool sound effect it makes. I mean, that's the sound effect that Geiger counters make in like real life. So, I was I don't think I mean I don't think I've ever heard a Geiger counter, but I don't know if it was an exact thing like a sound effect. But I don't know. To me, I it's mean, a, having to me, used it, an actual Geiger counter about two months ago. Yeah, it's oh, all right. Close. Yeah, you probably know that. To <clears> me, it sounded like, and I guess this is what Geiger counters sound like. To me, it sounded like a string instrument that where you. That has the strings held down. You're 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 plucking it. I don't know. It and then run like... through like a radio transmitter. It sounds kind of crackly. Yeah. But anyway, it sounds cool. And yeah, they they all have the radiation poisoning except for Blake and Callie because they never went down to the planet. Yeah, and Blake's like, "Wow, we'll just give you guys some decontaminant drugs." And Callie's like, "We've got none on board. There's no decontaminant de- decontaminant drugs." Yeah, she says this really bluntly too, almost as if there are decontaminant drugs, and she's just hiding that fact. But she's probably they not. They should have just thrown it on a <laughs> telepathic line for Blake. Ah, there's totally decontaminant <laughs> drugs on board. <laughs> Don't tell him. 
Frank, we'll give it to we'll give them to him at the last minute. We don't, we don't make it to Ensor in time. We'll just <laughs> pull him out and this is your this is your opportunity to off Avon Blake. I know you've been thinking about it. <laughs> oh God. So I mean, we can't prove that that didn't happen. No, we can't. Yeah, that's a, that's know. a good point, you know. What if Callie Cali could just be telepathically communicating with everyone and we wouldn't just even turning know. Turning them all against each other. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they basically decide that since Aristo is the closest planet and the only one that they'll reach in time, they're just going to hope and pray that Ensor has decontaminant <laughs> drugs on the planet or they're going to die. Villa, again, being the actual sensible one, is like, but what if he doesn't? What's our backup plan? And Blake is like, don't worry, he's going to have them. <laughs> Villa's also like, I can't die, and, and Avon's like, unfortunately you can, it's the one talent we all have. <laughs> and this this is something that's weird, and I haven't, I've, I think I've noticed this, but I haven't really mentioned it or put it into words so far, is that Villa is, he's the comic relief character, right? Mm-hmm. But he's actually the most sensible one on the ship. It just seems like everything he says is a joke or sort of funny because everyone else counteracts him with seemingly more authority. But they're yeah. actually just doing the reckless thing, whereas he's the one who's actually, you know, being sensible. I think that's kind of the point, though. I think the point is that these guys are reckless and they don't actually know what they're doing. They think they're doing the right thing, but they don't actually know. And that Villa, even though he's reckless in his own way, is the most sensible because he, you know, they make his suggestions out to be really, really silly. But when you sit down and think about it, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. There's like the plexiglass map. Again, that Villa runs past, and I was gonna like point you know, out etch that, a sketch thing on this one. Though. I was gonna point out that this is like really weird to have a, a plexiglass printed map of the entire like galaxy, I guess, <laughs> because the positions of everything changes, and also it's like really big to print out. But anyway, and they have like a really powerful computer with a view screen, yeah, so it can demonstrate maps. I think I think Zen has has put up maps for them. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. So then we cut to Ensor, and he's like, ah, yes. Watering Just, his plants. He feeds his fish, and then he waters his plants. And he's like, all right, good to go. And then he 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 reveals his chest plate thing. And he keels uh, over more, in pain. It isn't much of a plate. It's more just a, a little device that he, he has to hook up to something. He's like, oh, no, not much time left now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he doubles over in pain. And, and that's he, all. And then he... He, well, then the, the Travis and Soverland land. Well, actually, I think in this first scene with Ensor, he's talking to someone. You don't know who it is. I knew who it was. You don't know who. <laughs> you don't know who it is. And at the very end of the scene, he calls it Orac. So that's your yeah. reveal of Orac. Yeah. So Soverland and, and Travis have landed because he tells Orac that what they want is him. Yeah. The, he, Orac's like, oh yeah, two people have landed, and and Ensor's like, if they were friendly, they would have tried to make contact. Just full security measures, and just let them die. Yeah, because they're coming for you, Orac. They want you. Yep, that's 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 the Orac reveal, and then we cut to well, Travis, and that still doesn't really reveal that Orac is a machine. No, it just reveals that the person Ensor was talking to is Orac. Yeah. Again, I already knew what Orac was before even watching this or Deliverance. I didn't, but I did know that the guy who voices Zen voices Orac in every episode after this one, so that made give gave me pause. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Travis and Servalan are on the beach. We didn't mention that Aristo is, it's an Earth-like planet, but it's just covered by water more. So there's less land, more water. Yeah. And the water's like acidic. So, you know, don't jump in. 
Don't go swimming on the beach. <laughs> so then... Travis and Servaland just bumble about for a bit. <laughs> just really unmenacingly. You know, they were so they were such good villains when they were first introduced. And they were good multiple times after that. But, you Servaland know... loses all of her, like, menace in one scene in this story. When Mephibian grabs her from behind and she's just yelling, Travis, help me, Travis! <laughs> and I'm like, don't you have a gun? Travis has already lost all of his menace, let's be honest. Travis, yeah, Travis is just a walking joke at this point. <laughs> Probably because guess, he fails it, so much. He fails so much, and it's just uh, a result of, you know, that thing where the more you bring back a villain, the less menacing they appear to be. And I think, you know, that's not necessarily the case, but I think that coupled with Travis's repeated failures... Yeah, that's um, the thing is that yeah. I think the reason why Travis at this point doesn't feel menacing is because they didn't throw him any sort of bone at all. He, he always gets to the point where it looks like he's going to succeed and then he fails and he's done yeah. it so many times. You just you honestly just don't expect him to win anymore. Yeah, like if, if he'd like killed one of the Liberator crew or if he had actually captured the ship and they'd been without the ship for an episode, then he'd seem more menacing because he would have actually succeeded at something. Yeah, I mean, the closest he even comes is, is in Seek Located Destroy, which is his first appearance. After that, he pretty much fails more miserably than he did there. Yeah, and even what's his name in Bounty comes closer than Tarvin. Travis. Tarvin, yeah, Tar- Tarvin we mentioned that in Bounty. Tarvin more than is Travis. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we always we talked about this on Trust Your Doctor, our Doctor Who podcast too. We we often mention how the Daleks don't really seem menacing the more they they come back. Yeah, I, I think that's true there, too. You know, when the Daleks almost win, like mm-hmm. Genesis of the Daleks, they almost won. They had the Doctor in a... Davros had, a, had the Doctor in a really bad position there. And that that in that story, they actually felt menacing. They felt like a threat. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not so much just the repeated appearance, but also just the repeated appearance with the fact the that failure. they fail so much. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. And, and you know, after this episode, even doubly so, Travis if you can believe it, is even less menacing after this episode. So, <laughs> Serverland too. Serverland has, I think they've done a good job of making Serverland seem really menacing because she's kind of been in the background running things from behind yeah. the scenes. And in this episode, she kind of goes in and tries to get her hands dirty. And I think, I think it kind of yeah, that makes sort her of, feel a little less menacing it, as well. It, it falls flat, especially with the, the scene with the Phibian. Mm-hmm. Ser- Serverland, I agree, was actually done better than Travis until this point. Yeah. But yeah, so they end up going into the tunnels because they have to go under the force wall. And then we don't see them again for another 20 minutes, so... <laughs> yeah. Do we see the force wall in this scene? I don't even remember. No. I know we, def- we definitely see it when Blake We see it when Blake up. and Callie show, but we don't see it now. Anyway, so Orac... We need to make a note of how much worse it looks than even the other effects on the show. Orac... Oh, wait! <laughs> My award for this episode occurs when Servalan and Travis are going underground. Because Servalan pulls out a map. This is my award for prop most likely designed by the prop designer's kid. Because this map is, number one, really poorly drawn. Number two, shows absolutely no information that could be of any value at all. It just says, enter here, and then just has a straight line forward, straight line down, and then like an exit that says, Orac, or exit here. And I'm like, there's yeah. no way you would know where the entrance is. There's no way you could even follow this map underground because it doesn't tell you where to go. Yeah, this was my award too, and I I, I think my actual 
um, note of it was when it shows up a bit later in the episode. It shows up again, I think. Or maybe I'm just misremembering and it's actually just here. But uh, yeah, I gave my award to uh, Servaland for best cartographic interpretation ever for actually reading this garbage map. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, we both gave an award to the same thing. Maybe we should, I mean, I've been thinking about this, maybe we should you know, nix the awards and start doing some, another, like, interesting segment for uh, Series B. You know, maybe just switch up, you know, the thing we do for each series. That might be interesting. Although I have no idea what we would do in place of the awards. Well, we have a week to figure it out. Yeah, that's enough time. (laughs) We figured out more complex things in regards to podcasts in a week. (laughs) Let's be honest. Yeah, this podcast was basically set up in a week. (laughs) That was a very stressful week. Anyway... Blake and Callie, well, okay, wait, before Blake and Callie beam down, Orak basically takes over Zen, and is like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, we're bringing the power cells. Okay, he turns off all the lights and, like, turns on a purple light. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) he turns Zen from orange to purple. Yeah, I've always associated Blake 7 with the color orange for some reason. I think because the Blake 7 words in the logo are orange. Yeah, they're they're like yellow-orange. I directly lifted the color for the for our logo, so the the color on the side of the words. Yeah, it looks actually a lot brighter when it's in the logo itself. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think I darkened it a touch because it looked when I put it in with the logo and the white font and the white <laughs> Federation logo, it looked like really bright and overbearing. So I think I darkened the orange a little bit. Anyway, yeah, uh, Orac takes over Zen and tells them they need to. Uh, Actually, I forget what he tells them. Well, he asked them what they're doing, and they said, oh, we found these two guys. One of them was Enzo's son. He told us to bring these power packs. And and then Orak is like, oh, I see you have teleporter capabilities. I'll set coordinates for you. Come on down. So Callie and Blake go down, and Avon mans the teleporter, and it looks like the teleporter sequence gets increasingly more complicated in every episode. And also, it looks like they've only got four teleporter bracelets left. (laughs) Also, it looks like Avon, Villa, Jenna, and Gan are about to just keel over and die there's that weird scene later and i want to mention it now because i'm gonna forget if i don't where jenna and avon are in the teleporter room just waiting for blake and callie to come back and gan is also there but he's like hiding behind <laughs> the some... teleporter box i don't know the what... teleporter bracelet box which yeah. apparently is on wheels yeah that's never been established before he's just hiding behind there and they they find him for some reason i forget why He's like snoring or something. Yeah, and and they're like, Gan, what are you doing there? And he's like, I just didn't want to be alone. I was like, so you decided to come here and hide? Yeah, and sleep on the floor? (laughs) Then they get into like an argument and Avon's like, fine, you guys can all stay. Gan's like, Villa's in his room trying to convince himself he's not dying. (laughs) This, I mean, this radiation thing was clearly just an excuse to put these four characters out of commission for this episode. Like, let's not even dance around it. And have some nonsense scenes that don't even forward the plot with them like in the yes yeah this story also unlike at pretty much every other episode so far didn't really have two distinct parts it was just one thing it kind of did with serverland and travis but those that was all of three minutes of the story so i mean it almost seemed like because in the first half of bounty there was you know it was blake and callie sort of trying to find um what's his face and then once they found him, he sort of explained what was going on. He was like the figure they were looking for. He was a, a pretty famous guy, which is similar to Ensor, except that happens way later in this episode. 
We also didn't mention the info dump about Ensor, which is that he created something. I forget. Some sort of like crystal chip that's in every computer in the Federation, apparently. Yeah. And that is related to what Orac even is, which is revealed pretty soon. Yeah. In regards to Blake and Callie going down, I was just realizing this. <laughs> I guess Blake has just replaced Jenna with Callie for all of his away missions now because it, there was Bounty. And then in the last episode, Deliverance, Blake and Callie didn't go down, but Blake and Callie were the only two left on the ship. And then in this episode, Blake and Callie are the only two who go down. So that's yeah, three I mean, episodes in a row. Did Je- I don't think Jenna even actually went down to any planets except except the one in duel i think yeah i I don't think she ever actually went down to any other planets she went down once or twice more a couple rock Mm. quarries with blake anyway i mean she definitely went down last week with oh yeah she went down last week with avon i can't think of any more than that though but oh well there was that one where she just straight up volunteered herself like yeah i'll go with you blake i can't remember what episode that was now And Blake and Callie just sit by this obelisk for two hours, apparently, until this little drone comes up and is like, take off your weapons. And they're like, no. Well, they find the force field first. Callie wonders whether it's keeping them out or it's, you know, closing them in. But it looks really terrible. So it only it's only visible when you touch it. So Blake touches it a couple times and it's just this green it's, it's just, just a, a line. Green line superimposed on the screen. It's not they don't even attempt to even curve it. They don't attempt to do anything interesting with it. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to like, fault them for the it. The green but it, line doesn't have any effects applied to it. It's just a line, green line. Yeah, it's just... I mean, I know the show's made on a budget, obviously, and it's from you know the late 70s. I don't expect anything like fantastic by today's standards. And you know, for the most part, I really enjoy like wow, uh, how they make things look on this show. It looks mm-hmm. pretty... You know, Considering the budget they're working on, the time frame they're working on, when it was made... Most of it looks pretty good. This one I will actually fault them for, though, because this didn't look good, even by their own standards. Yeah, <laughs> it was just disappointing. And I'm glad it only appeared in this scene and not anymore. And, you know, I think I'm I think I'm reeling into this more than I otherwise would have, because this is the season finale where you think things would be better, where you think they'd put a, a really strong story and just, you know, give their all for the season finale, that, but they just didn't. <laughs> Unfortunate. Anyway, yeah, the drone shows up, and it's, it tells them it's going to kill them if they don't cooperate. No, like, okay, I guess we'll cooperate. <laughs> so the drone leads them through the force field to a teleporter. Then we spend legitimately five minutes trying to figure out how to get into the teleporter. <laughs> but they, they eventually do, and they go down. And into it's not the, actually a teleporter. It's just an elevator. It's just a lift, yeah. <laughs> they go down, and they're walking through these corridors, and they find Ensor, and he's like, He's really snappy at him. He's like, so which of you is the surgeon? And they're like, we're not, we're, we're not surgeons. We just, we didn't you're, know you're, we had to perform surgery. Like we were just told to bring these power cells to you. Yeah. If Ensor's son had mentioned that they needed to perform surgery, then Blake and Callie could have looked up the surgery on Zen before they left. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Ensor's son. <laughs> and taking all the medical equipment <laughs> down with them. And then, <laughs> and then Ensor reveals that the guy who delivered the, the packs was his son. And Callie says, oh, I'm so sorry, basically in that exact tone, again, almost as if she just doesn't care about anything that's going on around her. But she probably doesn't. (laughs) I mean, okay, she probably doesn't care about this, but I just feel like Jan Chappelle just didn't give much effort in this episode. Just feel like this whole episode was just low effort overall. Just a poor showing from everyone. 
Zen put in a lot of effort, I feel. <laughs> All right, Zen is always good. Peter, Peter Tuddenham, Tuddenham, right? Yeah, I think it's his yeah, last yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's always uh, you know, he's always there to uh, to redeem the show if it, if it ever goes sour. No, I don't know. And like I said, he voices Orac after this week, so it's going to be give interesting. Him more. I hope he differentiates. I mean, I hope he differentiates the voice enough because Orak and Zen actually sound very different in this episode, at least. Yeah, and I wonder how they if they wonder if or how they're gonna explain Orak's voice changing. We'll see. I mean, they're probably not going to explain it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, let's not set too high expectations here for Terry Nation. Plus, if you're watching this as it aired, it's a year later, and your Orak only had a couple lines. It's not like you'd even really. Oh, Remember forgot to mention the like... Terry Nationism for the creatures in the oh, yeah, the, the Fibians, Fibians which yeah, are clearly cause... amphibians with the first syllable <laughs> chopped off. Because we skipped the scene where Travis and Servalan, we kind of touched on it, are going through the um, underground passages, and Servalan gets attacked by a Fibian, and... This is the scene that, yeah. to me, like... Really Destroys Servalan's yeah, character. Made her seem like really unmenacing because she just starts screaming for Travis. And I was like, you have a gun, first off. And second off, you're like, you clearly you clearly know your way around things. Also, the Fibians look pretty bad, first of all. Yeah. Again, even by this show's standards, the Decimas even looked better. <laughs> and there's a lot of shaky cam-esque stuff around the Fibians. So you don't see how bad the costume looks. They're yeah, well, dark and they, they blend in like with the... Peter Gilroy, this g- g- point identity. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, the Fibians are also... Um, oh, was that Paul Greengrass? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I didn't like the Bourne series enough to even remember or care. I think it was actually Greengrass, now that I think about it. The Fibians sort of blend in with the, the background. They're sort of dark and you can't see them that well. Also, it looks as if... It's just clinging on to Servalan's leg very, very weakly. Yes. And, yeah. You know, maybe if the scene was done better, it wouldn't have destroyed all of Servalan's credibility. The scene actually, it, the scene for a brief moment actually reestablishes some of Travis's credibility for me. Because he just walks in, shoots the Fibian really calmly, and then just walks away. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> but then they just, then it just collapses again, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Travis, anyway. tra- it looks like they kind of buffed Travis up for the story. I don't remember him looking like he had such big pecs in the past <laughs> couple stories. <laughs> Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. I mean, I didn't notice that. Servaland's also not wearing that dress thing that she normally wears. She's she is still wearing white, though. Yeah. Which I still find interesting. And, yeah, so Ensor's like, well, well, Blake's like, you could come to our ship and we could perform the surgery there. And Ensor's like, yeah, well, I guess I'm dying. And I like, I either die here doing nothing or I die trying to get save myself. So sure. Right, because we didn't mention that Ensor, before Ensor went off the map, he had a heart attack that nearly killed him, but they, repl- they replaced his heart with mechanical mm. heart. Yeah, because the planet he was on was, like, technologically not as advanced as the rest of the Federation, so they didn't have, like, a proper donor heart to give him, so they gave him this mechanical one. Yeah, and they say that if he had kept cooperating with the Federation, he could have uh, gotten a replacement, but yeah, he didn't. Because so. Callie's like, why didn't they replace it with, like, a proper one when he went back? And then the, Blake's like, that's the thing, he never came back, he, like, ran away. Yeah. So they decide to go back to the Liberator to try and save Ensor. This is when it's revealed that Orak is a computer, because Ensor's yeah. like, this is Orak. And this is also when it's revealed that, that Terry Nationism I brought up last week I saw on Twitter about Orak probably being short for Oracle is true. 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much true. So Orak is, he looks kind of cool. He's sort of, he's a box, basically. I really like the Orak prop, especially later when they show it close up and the, the lights in it look like, the lights look like they're spinning around the central orb. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of movement. It's a clear box. There's a lot of movement inside. There's circuitry that you can see. That part was really well done. Mm-hmm. And Enzo basically explains that he, okay, he built a back door into every into his chip design that Orac can access. So basically, Orac can access every single chip yeah. that Enzo designed. Yeah, it's every like, Federation computer. It's like that Y two K bug conspiracy thing. Like the Y two K fix is like spyware, but 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 actually. It's Not also sure that how nobody noticed this. But. It's also that thing like uh, there was that there was like a controversy about a year or two ago about I think it was I don't remember what company it was now, but a company was like installing um, spyware into like on the chips Most that, they, companies that is- they installed in their computer and someone found out and there was a huge uh, uproar about it. I mean, most there should be. But. Yeah. I mean, a lot of companies put spyware on their products. It's no secret. Yeah, but this was like they hard coded it into the actual process of the computer. <laughs> Turns out Ensor also installed backdoors into his compound because Travis and Servland show up and Blake, Callie, and Ensor and Orak, I guess, just leave through another door. Yeah, because they had to leave their guns on the surface. If they had brought their guns, Travis and Servland would probably it, be Ensor. dead now. But yeah, so they're, they go, they're going through the tunnels now. Callie gets grabbed by a Phibian. Blake just kind of beats it with a rock. <laughs> oh, makes yeah. The- <laughs> I forgot about that. Blake just picks up a big rock and just smashes the Phibian. Makes it seem like the Phibians actually aren't all that powerful at all. No, no, they're really not. And, you know, I think the Phibians were just added either just to have a creature in this or just, again, to pad it out. Because what are they even... They're not scary. You know, they're not well done in terms Why of do they what live they on look this planet? Like. What do they uh, eat? They, they seem to be the only living creatures on this planet. <laughs> Yeah, there's they make mention there's plants in the ocean that they, they actually it's interesting they actually give quite a bit of story to this planet more so than other more interesting planets actually um, this planet had human or human like civilization but it was all destroyed um, when the sea level rose and now it's just plants and apparently also amphibians yeah and yeah meanwhile on the liberator I want to bring this up now actually because I. I keep forgetting to bring it up, but Blake actually refers to the Liberator as just Liberator without the in front sometimes. Yeah, I wondered when they started doing that. I noticed it, but I I could have sworn they were calling it the Liberator for a long time. Me too, because yeah, because when Orak contacts them, he's like, who is this? And Blake says, it's Liberator. And I was like, huh? Yeah. It reminds me of... Firefly. No, actually, it reminds me of Star Trek Enterprise, where Captain Archer refers to his Enterprise just as... Enterprise. We're from Enterprise and not the Enterprise, partially to differentiate it from the other two Enterprises that appear in Star Trek. Yeah. Well, that's a that's also it's a big point on Firefly, where, and they they do it a couple times where people say like, the Serenity and mm-hmm. and uh, Mal is like, no, it's just Serenity. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that show is obviously inspired at least partially by Blake Seven, so. I think, I think that's I think that's directly lifted in from Blake Seven. Probably in, this, I, in that I, case. I feel like things like that are, I guess in-universe up to the captain's discretion. I feel like it's more natural to say, like, the Liberator or the Enterprise or the Serenity. Although I, I you know, like I said, it's it's just at your discretion, I suppose. 
it's like whether you consider your ship a person or not, you wouldn't refer to like your friend Bob as the Bob and unless, like you, unless you, you're us on Trust Your Doctor and you keep slipping when you call our companions <laughs> the Rose. Or I mean, if you consider the ship like almost as or like a like a, your like own a city like a city or a country, right? You know, like, we're from Enterprise. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, like we're from Surrey. I don't know why Surrey is the first city I thought of. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, uh, that's uh, interesting. I guess nomenclature. Is that, would that be the word? I guess so. So, yeah. Uh, Ensor dies before they can bring him back up. Yeah. Anyway, the, the point I was trying to make with the Liberator was that Avon and Villa decide to beam down to the planet. That's oh. what I was trying to get to <laughs> there. But I remembered that I wanted to bring up the fact that Blake called it Liberator. Yeah, they're almost dying, and Avon sort of just wakes up, and he goes and wakes up Villa, and he's like, all right, we got to go down. Villa's like, you woke me up. Avon's like, Blake and Callie haven't come back. We better go down there. So they they beam down, and then we don't see them until the end of the episode. Yeah, well, Ensor dies. We basically see them now in how we're going to explain it, because there's just a lot of running around now. Well, so Serverland and Travis, okay, this also confused me, because Serverland and Travis make it into Ensor's room right as they leave, and Serverland just picks up this map that's lying on the ground and i'm like why would ensor have a map of the compound he's lived in for 40 years oh yeah this is the instance that i made my uh note for for uh for the uh award so we yeah. give our awards to two different maps why are there so many maps in this story but this one was equally just not easy to follow not no, representative yeah. of really there was anything absolutely no indication of where they were standing on that map either <laughs> So then just figures it out immediately. Yeah, this this part actually really restored her credibility to me. You know, her excellent map reading skills are just... No, no, I'm just kidding. Servalan. God emperor of map reading. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, why would Enzo have a map of this compound that he clearly built and has lived in for 40 years? Like, you would think he would know where everything is, right? Anyway. He dies. Serverland and Travis take this alternate route to get up, which is quicker, apparently. And Ensor, come on. <laughs> well, I, mean, I guess they couldn't just go wherever they wanted because yeah. Travis and Serverland were storming about. So Blake and Callie are about to beam themselves up, but then Travis and Serverland corner them and like, well, we're going to kill you and we're going to take Orak. And Blake's like, yeah, I imagine Travis will kill me with or without orders from you, Serverland. She's like, with orders, Travis. And then Avon just shoots Travis's hand off. Does he he shoot his hand off? I thought he just shot him in the leg or something. No, he shoots his hand off because there's this... Then the very last thing we see of Travis when they're walking away is that it zooms in on his hand and it's like exposed wiring. Oh, huh. All right. Yeah, it's like Gotta super unclear. Star Wars. <laughs> Although the hand stuff was in Empire Strikes Back, which is after this. Yeah. But yeah, they, he shoots Travis's hand off and Villa's like, good shot. And he's like, I was aiming for his head. <laughs> so Villa walks over to Blake and Callie and then they just walk over and beam up. Avon's about to kill them, but Blake's like, no, no. I'll tell the Federation that they let us go. Let's see them try work their way out of that one. And I'm like, how would you tell the Federation that? The Federation hates you. Since when would they take communication from you? Maybe they'll use that code machine they picked up in... Uh, what was that story they picked it up Seek, in? Locate, destroy. Yeah. Didn't they already say that the Federation changed their codes and the machine doesn't remember. even work anymore? <laughs> I don't remember. I think that was a line in some story. I guess they the don't other. need that machine anymore. Now that they have ORAC, which is tapped into all the Federation computers anyway. And every computer... 
They just keep Ever. giving Blake more and more powerful technology on the show, which just makes it more and more impressive that Blake hasn't actually made like a dent in the Federation yet. <laughs> like Blake he, is like a really incompetent leader when you really get down to it. Yeah, no, he he actually is. <clears throat> anyway, now the episode gets interesting. <laughs> Because they start using ORAC, this device that they hyped up so much in Deliverance and then was a small part of this episode. Because, I mean, he was the goal for most of the episode, right? That part was fine. They just didn't, and they didn't use his his cool... Well, they did thing, kind of. I mean, not really. The yeah. Ensor uses it to like a really stupid, small degree. <clears throat> Well, so Ensor basically explains that Orak can make predictions about the future. And then they try to talk to Orak about it. And he's like, future, past, present doesn't mean anything to me. And they're like, what are you even saying, Orak? And Villa's like, I don't like him. Can we turn him off? Yeah, Orak is very evasive. Doesn't answer their questions. He's worse than Zen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Villa's like, he's very good at being evasive. <clears throat> And uh, the there's some like, funny banter here. I don't, ex- near, I don't remember Blake exactly is trying to get him to make a prediction. And Orak's like, you won't have to, you know, I can do my commands better if your commands are succinct and to the point. And Villa just says, make a prediction. And then Orak's like, okay, I'll make a prediction for you, which I thought was kind of funny. But he projects this image on the screen, which is just a liberator flying through space. And Jenna's like, wow, what a prediction. We're going to be flying through space. Bloody hell, I could have predicted that. But then Orak's like, like they, they turn Orak off, but the prediction keeps running, which is strange. No, no, Orak says... Before they turn it off, Orak says, the the, liberated, the ship, it, he just says, the ship is going to be destroyed. And they're like, what? And then they turn Orak off. And then, I guess it's it's unclear what happens right now. Because Jenna goes, Blake! And then you see it's the like, liberator blow up. Well, and you, I guess... You see it almost... It's almost as if you're seeing it on the view screen. So you don't know if you're seeing it on the screen or if it's actually blown up. Yeah, it's unclear if it's the real liberator blowing up or if it's... If, like, the prediction kept going after Orak was turned off, which wouldn't make sense. But they... No, I think they actually say that, like, Orak's off, the prediction's still running or something like that. Well, no, like Blake that. says the prediction's already been made. Because they turn... I'm, a, they I'm turn... pretty sure they say, look, like, look at the screen, it's ongoing or something like that. Well, what Blake says, they turn it off, and then they're like, "Oh, good, so it's it's off." And then Blake says, "We're forgetting something. The prediction has already been made." That's exactly what Blake says. The prediction has already been made. There's there's definitely a line in there where they like point to the screen. And they're like, "Look, it's 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 still I, running." If there is, I like missed that. it because my recollection is Blake says, "Oh, the prediction's already been made," and then J- Jenna just says, "Blake," and points. She just points off camera, and then it cuts to the liberator blowing up. <clears throat> Yeah, so sort of a it's 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 a definitely cliffhanger uh, ending here. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what if Blake Seven didn't get renewed? I, I mean, if Blake Seven didn't get renewed, I guess it would have been a fine ending. Liberator blows up, blow all the up. loose all the loose ends are tied up, really, except for Travis and Serblan, who you wouldn't really care about if Blake and the crew are dead. I mean, yeah, their mission would be accomplished. I mean, I read that Gareth Thomas didn't really want to do his second season, but he was contracted to do so, so he said, "Yeah, he." We come back. Yeah, I think Sally Navet had a similar situation as well. Yeah, a lot of the main cast was pretty much over it after this season. I think Paul Darrow was down with it, <laughs> considering he was like best friends with the guy who's <laughs> editing all the scripts. Now I think like Michael Keating also he was s- obviously okay with it. I mean, he came he back was still again. having fun with it. Yeah, and like I said, oh, the, and I mean, was, the, they took the that two poll. people. 
Villa and Avon are the ones they're giving all the like good lines to. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, yeah, because then they, you know, Terry Nation wanted to kill off Villa because he was like, I don't like Michael Keating's interpretation of the character. But then, like I said last week, they took that poll of character popularity and Gan fell dead lost. <laughs> <laughs> and then Villa was like in top three or four. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's the, eight people on the Liberator now, right? If well, you Thorac, include Orac. Yeah, Thorac, so. Yeah. That's interesting. So we're going to have to cut someone out next time. Time to season. cut the dead weight. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting looking back over the season at Villa, because in the first episode, he is pretty sinister. You know, you don't really see any... There's no comic side to Villa, really, in the way back. Mm-hmm. But then after that, he's sort of the comic relief of the ship, because which, I, is, I, which I enjoyed, but maybe Terry Nation didn't really see that as something that Michael mm-hmm. Keating should be playing up. I mean, I enjoy it as well, and I think it's kind of necessary yeah i think it's necessary i think maybe his sinister aspects fell away when they introduced avon because i think a lot of them got picked up by avon i think avon is in my opinion the most sinister of the crew the one gan is (laughs) well (laughs) gan to an extent but i think avon's the one who's like most dangerous on the crew because he's definitely i think made out to be the most intelligent member of and the crew and definitely the one who has the, the most plans of killing blake or leaving the liberator at yeah, some he's, point he's demonstrated you know multiple times like very clearly not just like an implication thing that he's willing to either leave or just sell them out mm-hmm, so, yeah. i mean i know a lot of what ha- goes on between blake and avon i'm not going to spoil it obviously but i know bits and pieces yeah should we do a sort of season retrospective here yeah i mean let's look back on series a and Remember the good times? If this was a TV <laughs> the good show, times this is before you, Orac. You before st- Orac hit. You start playing the sappy music and it's just a clip show. No, well, I think Orac is a... Honestly, I think they had to introduce something new to the show at the end of the season. I don't think they could have continued making another 13 episodes exactly in the same vein as they did this season. Well, I mean, I don't have a problem with Orac. It's like the 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 computer Orac. I have a problem with the episode Orac. I actually like um, what they did with Orac when they used him in this episode. Like I said before, the last five minutes of this episode are the most interesting part of it. Mm-hmm. But just the episode itself, the series just ended on a on the worst episode of the entire season. Right. Which is, in my opinion, not something you would necessarily want to have happen. You know, maybe put the if you have a weaker episode and you know it's going to be weaker and require more padding. You know, put that elsewhere I, I mean, again i think at the yes. by the end of by the end of this season i think they were just grasping at like what to do how to fill out the 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 time slot you know well that production and, was rocky so and also i was gonna say they didn't have the opportunity to move it because you know, like we've mentioned before this show was made on a very compressed schedule where terry nation would deliver the script like two weeks before they were even filming so it, i don't think it was feasible that they would even know the story would be weaker until most of the season had already aired and at that yeah. point there wouldn't be any way to move the, the episodes around because they would have just filmed you know they were filming like an episode two episodes from the end the week that the script for this would have been delivered so i mean that you know i'm not going to fault them for putting a bad episode at the end because you know that kind of falls on terry nation's shoulders i guess because he delivered the script like halfway well, I mean, in the season I, really I, I mean i i know why like not i don't know but like based on the production stuff that i know it's clear to me, why this episode is weaker than all the other ones, mm-hmm. and it, uh, be, you know, because it comes at the end and the challenges they faced with that. But I'll definitely fault them for it. I mean, it was managed terribly. I mean, Terry Nation uh, wasn't pulling his weight. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not going to fault them for not like moving it earlier in the season. Oh no, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to. Yeah, 
don't know. Um, it's just, I, think I think the whole. I think just think the whole production was managed poorly, which is why it's kind of like a miracle that the show is so great. Well, I think this episode also clearly demonstrates why next season they go, Terry Nation, you're not writing all 13 <laughs> episodes. We're definitely bringing in other people. You know, we're going to bring in Bob Holmes. We're going to bring in Chris Boucher himself. And we're going to bring in other people to write episodes of the show because clearly, clearly, I think they realized by the end that having Terry write all the episodes. And I think Terry realized it as well. I think he realized it like week three. He's like, oh God, I can't do this. <laughs> so... But yeah, I just think that introducing Ormac was also a necessity looking forward. Like, I think if we, if season two had been another 13 episodes of like Seek, Locate, Destroy and Breakdown, where it's just... Well, Travis and Servaline have definitely run their course. Yeah, if it had been another 13 episodes of just this season, I think it would have gotten real old real quick. So I think introducing like a... They used to introduce something, and I think it was good that they introduced a computer that can, like, make predictions. Whether or not we're going to use him well is, <laughs> I don't know. Although I have heard, based on what I hear, that later seasons are better than the first season for Blake 7, that the show only gets better. So <laughs> that's what I've heard anyway. And, yeah, I mean, this is a good television show so far. I really enjoyed C- season one. Yeah, I'm 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 really enjoying this so far. Like I mentioned, you know, the production of this is or like we keep mentioning the production of this is was like rocky at best. So I'm surprised that they actually managed to make such a good show out of what they had. Sometimes I think it's like shows that have rocky productions or questionable productions sometimes come out better because that the that means that the people working on it put a lot more effort into getting things done and trying to get it done and trying to make it good. I mean, obviously that it could go completely the opposite way yeah. it could just come out being absolute garbage but i think in this case it worked out that you know with the rocky production i think that like all the actors chris boucher especially all really put in a lot of effort trying to pull their weight to bring the show together because of the rocky production that was going on with the bbc yeah sure should we do a favorite episode least favorite episode thing <sighs> You can only take a second, so my, yeah, my least I'm favorite... To, I'm going to have to pull up a list of episodes because I don't remember the names of all the episodes. Oh. I mean, my least favorite was this one, Orac, and my favorite was definitely Duel. I think my least favorite was definitely Orac as well. <laughs> this episode was just really dull. I really liked... I liked Project Avalon quite a bit. I think I'm going to say that that was probably my favorite one of the season. But they're, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all, all they're all good, good except Orac. I wouldn't call Orac good. Yeah. Other, other than that, it's just you know twelve really strong episodes, which 13. is uh, oh yeah, well, 12, okay. Besides Orac, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Which, sorry, which is surprising. <clears throat> you know, not many TV seasons are just completely good. Hmm. I think, but this one pretty much was. So yeah, I think it's difficult to do an entire season of straight of strong stories, strong episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, good show, Blake Seven. Looking forward Three to watching the other to go. thirty-nine or however many. Thirty-nine. Yeah. You can email us at thedoctordecadevegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, or your thoughts on Orac, both the character and the episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts at Zenith, a Blake Seven podcast. Find us on Google Play, also at Zenith. You can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. Please leave a rating if you like the show. Check us on Facebook, Trust Your Doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're starting Season 2 slash Series B with Redemption. But until then, the end.